Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. says this, repent ye therefore, this is the verse we're kind of gathering around for the next four weeks, starting from last week, repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Where does the refreshing come from? Very good, very good. Matthew chapter 26, I had a different sermon. (laughs) I was talking to somebody at the park yesterday about some illustrations in that sermon and God took those away. This morning I got up and he said, no, no, you need to preach this. So this sermon is for somebody sitting in here right now. Not for those that are on vacation with their family, but for someone who's here right now. Because I got this sermon at five this morning and it changed. It fits into the series, which is awesome. God's nice to do that, but he's not real impressed with our series as sometimes. I'm going to teach a 32-lesson series on the restitution of the seventh level of heaven. (laughs) And you need to go there. No. Um, some people have really long-winded preachers and series. So I don't have any ties to a series, but he made it fit. And I want to talk to you a little while about the second cup. The second cup. And that'll be more in a little while. Matthew 26, 36 through 42. It says these words, if I will get there myself. 36 through 42. I'm reading out of a Bible today, which is normal but I usually read on electronics. Let's read together. You can read quietly. I'll read out loud so we don't get lost in each other. Then cometh Jesus with them unto the play, a place called Gethsemane. That's a very important place, isn't it? It means a, it was a wine-pressing area. It was a, it was a winery or a, a vineyard, and, and that's where they would press things. It's pro- probably applicable, I would say. And saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. How many know that if you want to have a prayer life, it's going to take you a little bit more than what everybody else is doing? Amen. So he went a little ways further, and he took his, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, even further yet, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me? Utu brute. (laughs) Can't you even pray with me for a little while? Just one hour. Watch and pray and ye enter that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And verse forty two says, He went away. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O Father, if thou if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Everyone say the cup of suffering. I want to talk to you a little bit about the second cup. The first cup is the cup of suffering, but the second cup is living water. And he had to take the first cup so we could have the second. Amen.
Let's pray together. Jesus, we want you to move here. We want you to minister to the deepest resources of our soul. God, if you'd allow us for just a little while to plug into your word, and would you send, Lord Jesus, fresh rain on our souls. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There is a cup that I have here, and it is the cup that most often we hear of in people's lives, the cup that is most often talked about, the cup that people often share with us when we ask them if they're brave enough, how are you doing? I'm doing good, but I have this going on or that going on. Yesterday I was sitting in a park enjoying the 4th of July, and I had two different cups. And I I just want to remind you that there are two cups in life, amen? There's not just the suffering, but there is a cup of living water. And sometimes we get too tied up in the cup of suffering and forget to remind ourselves of all the good things and the blessings that God has done for us. Amen? So I want you to know that yesterday I'm sitting there and I'm having one of my favorite soft drinks or sodas, and I'm trying to lose weight. It's obvious I'm not doing such a good job, but I'm trying. Okay, give me credit for the try. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying so hard. So I had some green tea, blueberry green tea with antioxidants in it and all this healthy stuff in it on one side, and I had my soda on the other. And I'm taking a drink of my soda. Mm, that's good. Then I'm taking a drink of the healthy stuff, okay? So I'm trying to be good on one side, and I'm being very bad on the other side. And sometimes it is like that in life. We, we, we think that God is helping us, and we're doing great things, but then we also have this other cup of suffering that never seems to go away in our life. Amen? And so while we're trying to be healthy spiritually, we still have things that bother our flesh. While we're trying to be good and live right for God, we still have things that tempt our flesh. Hello, somebody. So we always have two cups present in our life. But I want you to know that the cup of suffering, though it may be great, is always measured. Someone say measured. And the cup of blessing, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, the cup of blessing is not measured by God. In fact, the cup of blessing is a cup that overflows. The Bible gives us all kinds of imagery of his blessing overflowing our life. But the cup of suffering is only one size. But we all have to drink of trouble and trials and difficulties. But the greatest thing is when we've drink, when we've drank of it, I hope I use the right English. When we have drunk, <laughs> when we've drinking, <laughs> I don't know, help me out here, Reese. When we, we, when we drunk what's in the cup, we have completed the suffering in life that God has ordained for us to go through in the fact that it's measured out so that we have character built and we have understanding built and we have lessons built and we have things that we have grown in through our suffering but when that's all done like Jesus said here if if there's a way that that suffering cup could pass from me I would like for that to happen Hebrews saying that Jesus prayed in the days of his flesh and there isn't much of a God if a God has to pray amen if Jesus truly is God then why is he praying because you don't pray if you're a God you just make it happen but the Hebrew writer tells us that he prayed in the days of his flesh because he was 100% man and he was 100% God so in the flesh as a vessel substitute for our sin he was a vessel of suffering he came to die someone said amen 
man. But as God in the flesh, he was overflowing with wisdom and power and might and grace and authority. So even though he was praying here, I understand that he's praying because he was grieved in his flesh. Someone said amen. So he's asking God, would you please allow this this great suffering? He knew what he'd have to do. I often think of Jesus Christ as a little child and wonder what he thought when he was eating a banana. Okay, that's potassium. My saliva is breaking that down. Now it's turning into carbohydrates and sugars, and now I'm either going to store it as a starch or I'm going to, you know, he. I wonder if he was like processing, because he's God. He made the body, right? He's God in flesh. So he knows every process going on in his body when he's having an apple. You know, it's, I just, you know, when a bird flies by, he's like, yep, I made that hinge. I made that wing. I made that feather to do that. When a duck's flying, you know, floating by, he's like, I created their feathers all to lay a certain way and created their skin to emit a certain oil so that the water just runs off their back. I mean, he just, he's God in flesh, amen? I, I just, I don't know, I drift to that sometimes. I think what it's like maybe to sit with Jesus on the stoop as Mary and look up into the clouds and say, I named that one, I created that one. That's Ashtaroth, that's, you know, I'm wondering what it would be like to walk with Jesus as a child. And I think he kind of kept it concealed obviously but when he gets to this point he's literally saying I I have this mission but I don't want to drink of that cup how many have had something suffering in your life and you just didn't want to partake of it Mm, everybody here should be touched by that but if you drink it and if you understand that there's only a certain amount that you will have to drink and you will drink all that is measured in suffering to you then you will realize that This is the most important cup because at some point that cup's not going to matter anymore. In fact, the Bible tells us in several places that if we drink of the suffering that we will be able to share in the glory that is going to be revealed. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 8.18 that suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory. Amen? That will be revealed to us. In other words, what we're going to see someday is so much greater than the suffering that we deal with in this life that we literally are not going to remember that cup anymore, but we'll remember the cup that overflows. And if we drink, let us drink of both, but let us remember the cup of living water. So the first cup is measured only so much, and the second cup overflows. What was David talking about in Psalms 23? How many know that and can quote it? How many know Psalms 23 by heart? Amen. He leadeth me beside still waters, restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He's using a lot of shepherd analogies. That makes sense because he's a shepherd, right? He kept sheep. and But if you get to the point where he talks about, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that's Psalms 23 verse 5. He anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. It doesn't seem like it fits together. Those three things don't seem like they go together, Kristen, but if you understand, those are three protections. And I want to share this with you. Maybe you know this already, maybe you don't. But he said, I'm going to create a place for you to be nourished when you're being attacked by your enemies. I'm going to create a protection for you that you do not faint in the fight. 
Do you understand what I mean by that? It's simply he's going to create a space for you where you can be nourished even though others think you should be malnourished or others think you should be tired and exhausted. While the enemy comes against you, God's going to prepare a table for you in that place. And somehow the struggle finds nourishment to you if God is in it. If God is in it. So number one protection is that you find nourishment where you wouldn't think you would find nourishment. He prepares the table before me. The second protection is he anoints my head with oil as a shepherd. Obviously, during the fly season, they would take an oily rag and they would, they would just anoint it with oil. And they would put oil on it and they would rub it over the nose or the front of the sheep. And it, was, it acted as a repellent to flies because flies would get in the nostrils of sheep and they would lay eggs and those larvae would hatch. And they would burrow their way up into their brain and it would cause such discombobulation that you literally would see sheep over at a pole of the fence pounding their head against the fence because they were going crazy. Their flies had got to their brain and they were confused and they would walk around the pasture crazy. All this stuff would happen if the shepherd didn't understand that he needed to anoint their head with oil. So that's the same thing that we find is that God gives us an anointing so that we don't find confusion in life so that we don't find spiritual confusion overtaking us. God anoints us for clarity and for protection. He anoints us as a repellent to Satan who is Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. Amen? It's kind of funny that that's one of his names, but literally the an analogy is that we are sheep and we can tend to get into things that we shouldn't be into, but the Lord anoints us to keep us from running after things we shouldn't go after. Amen? It's literally a protection. Then he says, my cup overflows. What kind of a protection is that? It's so that whenever you have so much suffering in your life, you can focus on the living water that overflows in your life. And there's also another custom that's referenced here that I must mention because I don't want to be negligent in the word, and that is that the Jewish custom of sitting down and eating at somebody's house. And when you came to the point of refill on your cup, they would fill your cup, but they wouldn't just fill it. They would overflow it onto the table meaning that they were glad that you were there. The overflow of the cup was a welcome for you to stay as long as you want. It was a symbol or a signal to you that they felt you were good company. Amen? And so if they only filled your glass partially, the second time they were saying, go on home. <laughs> we don't really like you that much. But if they overflowed your glass, it meant stay as long as you want. So David says... He prepares a table for me. He anoints me, and he says, stay in my presence as long as you want. It's a protection. Amen? All right. Well, maybe that's the backstory. Some of you want that. Some of you don't. But the drink of suffering is found in Luke 22, verse 19. If you want to turn there real quick with me. Luke 22 and verse 19, we see that the, the good doctor analyzes it a little bit more. And he begins... At least I want to read in Luke twenty two nineteen and 20. And it says, And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is the body, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, you have to understand that he's, there's several references throughout the scripture about Jesus making this point, and there are some religions that made this salvation. Amen? 
They believe that taking of the wafer and drinking of the cup is their salvation. They take communion every Sunday because that they believe that that's their salvation. But he was saying, do this in remembrance. Everyone say remembrance. So we have to remember this, that whenever the Lord talks about a drink of suffering, he's referring to going to the cross. But when he talks about the fact that he's going to take a cup and he's going to drink of it and it's going to be shedding of his blood, he's referring to the New Testament covenant of the blood that would be shed for us that we could then be baptized into, amen, in the name of Jesus and have that blood cover our sins. I don't know how God takes red blood, washes someone black as sin and into something white as snow, but he's able to do it, amen? I don't know how he does that, but I'm grateful that he did it for me because I wouldn't be here today had it not been for the grace of God and the washing of regeneration of the blood of Jesus Christ. I was glad when I went down in a watery grave. I can tell you this, I got up from a nap to go to the baptistry. I wasn't, it wasn't some great Holy Ghost powerful service. I don't know, I don't even know who preached that day, but my sister had gotten the Holy Ghost, ghost Holy Goat. <laughs> Yeah, put that on the rewind. Let's make that one a favorite for the year. Pastor said, Holy Goat. <laughs> Holy Ghost rally was happening, and my sister got the Holy Ghost, and I was like jealous. I wanted the Holy Ghost. So I tried to get the Holy Ghost, and then they were like, okay, we're going to do baptisms. And my grandfather was there, and my grandfather was going to do the baptism, but I don't remember who preached. I don't remember what they preached about. They literally shook me awake. Okay, it's time. You've got to go change to go get baptized. And I went, and I got baptized, and I remember sitting in the bathroom with the closed bathroom uh, toilet. I was just sitting on the toilet there and I was just, I felt so light, like something, some weight had been taken off me. I think I was all of nine years old. I mean, I don't know what I had done so grievously at nine years old, but there was a lifting to my soul after I was baptized and covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. There was a light weight upon me and I felt, someone asked me, how do you feel? I said, I just feel lighter. I just feel like a burden has been taken off me. And I didn't know what that really meant, but I was happy when my burdens were rolled away, the old song says. Evening, morning, noon, and night, every day. How, how's that go? It's so good that we have the blood to wash sins away. So because he drank of sin and suffering, we can have the washing of regeneration. When you suffer, you have to remember that you do it in remembrance of the Savior. It's not because you are picked on. It's not because heaven doesn't like you as much and answers other people's prayers and doesn't answer yours. It's not because for some reason you have something in your family that's passed down and you just can't seem to break loose. I want you to know that God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be delivered. It is his will to heal. Amen? And so in that sense, I want you to know that if you suffer and you find yourself in suffering, you have to do like we're reading here in Luke 19. Do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ because he suffered. The Bible even says in one place that we are to suffer and we are, we are to suffer as good soldiers. I don't have the reference, but it's coming to my mind and saying, say this, hey, quick, say this. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> because you had... 
If you have a drink of living water, we do, we do drink the living water now this day through the Spirit because we have been given the opportunity through the cup of His suffering. So even when we have great services, even when the Holy Ghost is moving fantastic and we're all really feeling God to the point where our bodies have to respond because there's so much Holy Ghost falling on us, we literally want to stand up, lift our hands, shout, do something in response to what we're feeling on the inside we have to realize that even then we're living drinking living water as a remembrance to Jesus Christ amen so when we carry two cups whether we suffer with Christ or we rejoice in the spirit both are necessary both are necessary first peter 221 says that we are to follow in the steps of Christ in suffering it says for even here in two we where ye called, were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Everyone say example. Why are we worried about Christ's suffering example? Because life is hard. Things happen. We suffered. Uh, things, I, I can't explain everything that goes on in life, but whenever we do suffer, we have an example of Christ Jesus that the suffering has a purpose and that nothing is ever wasted. Nothing is ever wasted. So that you should follow in his steps. Look at, try to find it. Look at Romans 8.17. This is a verse that always speaks to me. Romans 8.17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. If we're children of God, then we're heirs of God. And join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer. Oh, that's not a fun word, is it? Nobody likes suffer. Everybody wants to jump and shout and enjoy a service where we talk about get my blessing. <laughs> I want to get my blessing and I want to go to the next dimension. And, and everybody wants to hear sermons like that, but nobody wants to hear about have you suffered with Christ lately? Is there anything that you've been through that you've remembered Christ with? So be that, so be that we suffer with him that we may also, that we may be also glorified together. I know there's a place in Scripture, and you know it too, where the Bible says that God will not share His glory with another. But when you suffer with Him, He said, I'll share glory with you someday. Do you understand the impact of what I just said right there? He literally said, I will not share my glory with another. And that's why Jesus Christ could say, all power in heaven and earth given unto me because he was God in flesh. Because he's not, God's not going to share his glory with another. But when, when we get to the point where we've drank every bit of the suffering that life has given to us, that's been measured to us, and we start drinking from the glass that never ends. Because just so you know, if you get... If you get to a point where you feel a little bit down, all you have to do is get a little bit bigger cup. <laughs> if that cup is kind of lame because it's the same size as your suffering cup, then just go ahead and, and just kind of get rid of that cup and get a bigger cup because this cup overflows. And if that cup is big or large if, for you, then get a bucket of living water. Don't don't settle for something that's the same size as your suffering. Like yesterday I'm drinking tea out of one bottle and soda out of another and they're about the same size. What God wants us to do is forget about the cup of suffering because
because no matter how big it is, he wants us to get a bigger vessel and a bigger container to dip and draw into the wells of living water so that literally we only focus not on our suffering and not on what's going wrong in life, but we're like, did you see how refreshing last Sunday was? Did you see how refreshing camp, someone go ahead and preach with me, see how refreshing camp meeting was to my soul. I felt so good when I went to the altar and had a fresh drink of Holy Ghost anointing, and I feel good in the spirit. I feel hydrated today. I feel empowered today. I feel anointed today because it's not about what I've been through, though what I've been through has allowed me to have the level of anointing that I have because the size of my suffering made me want to get a bigger vessel for living water. The the things I went through, I feel like preaching right about now. The things I went through, though they were the size of a bucket, I decided to get a barrel of living water. So now I walk in anointing that's twice the size of my suffering because I decided to focus my life on the second cup and not on the first. I decided to turn my life around and chase after the truth that his spirit shall be like a river of living water welling up inside of me. Don't don't turn to something else. Just turn to a bigger cup of living water because you're going to have to drink all of the suffering in life. But you could get a bigger drink (laughs) of what he's got for you. Hey, man, let's thank the Lord with a hand clap of praise and just love him for a minute. Numbers 21 and 4 correlates with Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 10. And if I could read 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 10 for you really quick, I would read it in the sense of understanding what's happening to a sacrament that they had, but we now have in the Spirit. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you that you should be ignorant Everyone say ignorant. That's not a good place to be. How that all your fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They, they passed through the sea as a type of baptism. And all were baptized. How many know baptism is important? Amen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The Bible links baptism. We're going to have a baptism Sunday in a few weeks. If you haven't been baptized, you got to get baptized. Amen. <laughs> and all were baptized. All. Everyone say all. It likes the sacrament that the Jews had in their natural life to our spiritual life. That baptism is important. So we have to understand that unto Moses, they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all what? Drink the same spiritual drink. We all drink the same spiritual drink. That means if you're suffering in life and if you're going through very difficult times, I can come with my barrel and I can pour a little bit more into your large cup and say, hey, if you need a little bit more of the Holy Ghost, I'll pray with you. I'll seek God with you. I'll fast with you because we all drink from the same drink. And it's good for me, so it's good for you. Amen? So I can help you. And that's why we come to church, just so you know. So that we can share the same drink. Just no backwashing, please. We don't want any of that. (laughs) Keep it clean, please. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for you drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. How many are still drinking from the rock of Christ Jesus? But with many of them... 
But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Uh Uh-oh, this could be a problem. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Watch this. Now these things were for our, here's examples again. Literally, what happened to them in life and death are spiritual examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things. Hello, somebody. As they lusted, they lusted after these things. And it's an example to us not to lust after them. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. Are you following along with me? We good up here? Yes. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Everyone say, that's a lot of people. But for sin in those days, it was life and death. For us who live under grace, some people think they can sin and not be punished for it. But I want you to know that God's grace is not to be used like that. It is not a license to sin. It is not a license to flirt with the world. It's not a license to go after lusts for evil things and just think that God will repair it because I'm living under grace. No, we need to understand that if we love the Lord, we will not crucify him afresh over and over again. We must live our life. I hope I'm under, making understanding, making a good understanding to you in, in this scripture that they had committed adultery and fornications, idolatries, and the scripture was literally saying that they fell, all of them. And this is a reference to Numbers 20, it goes down a little bit and references number 21, but I can read for you verse 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them and they fell in 3,000. Then verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ. Everyone say tempt. We're not supposed to tempt the Lord our God as some of them also tempted and were destroyed as serpents. That seems weird. Neither murmur ye. Uh-oh. Anybody do any complaining? Uh, maybe we ought to Maybe we ought to have an altar call right now. Anybody do any complaining this week? As some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Look at, go with me to Numbers 21, verse 6. I'll show you where this reference is. This is all the way over in Numbers. It'll only take us a second if you have your Bible. Go to Numbers 21 and verse 4 through, I think I'll read through 9. And they journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the, look at this. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Have you ever been much discouraged because of the way you're on? Uh, Anybody want to be honest with me that you've you've had a time where you were on a way and you were just, your soul, that's your mind. Soul is the, the, the reasoning part of you in the scripture where your mind is literally discouraged. Have you ever had a time where you tried to just relax? Like, okay, we're going to just chill. We're going to relax. We're going to eat some chips and dip. I don't know what you do. Whatever you do. I think that's, I'm sorry, Mike. I think you guys do that. 
Um, and you're just going to chill out, you know, watch a movie. I don't know what you do. Watch a movie, whatever. And you're like, we're just going to relax this afternoon. We're not going to worry about the laundry. We'll do that tomorrow. Let's, let's just chill out and let's get caught up with ourselves because we've been, we're just so tired. We're so exhausted. Have you ever had that? And then, so you relax all evening and Monday comes and you're just as tired as you were on Sunday. And you're like, I don't know what happened. I took the evening off. I don't understand. It's because your soul is exhausted from the way in which you're taking. And just so you know, it is a spiritual attack because the the Bible tells us that the enemy will try to wear out the saints in the last day, literally make the saints exhausted so they don't want to do the work of God. That is scripture. So there is not only a spiritual attack, but there is also a way in which we take that can be discouraging while drinking from a cup of suffering in life at times where our soul can literally get discouraged in the way and just so you know the next thing that happens when your soul is discouraged is you speak against God verse number five and the people spake against God I don't think my prayers work I don't think this is happening right I don't know why we can't seem to get a prayer I don't know why this isn't working right for me I don't know why my car keeps breaking down I don't know all of a sudden doubt comes in and you're speaking against God without meaning to Good people that are that have their soul discouraged. I don't know if you are following me with that, but I, I really know what that's like. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, wore it out, washed my car with it, put it in the rags, changed my oil with it. And the people spake against God and against Moses, wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? What are you thinking, Moses? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth, loatheth this place, <laughs> this light bread. In other words, we don't like this manna that you're giving us. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and bit the people and such as, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. We're, we're done complaining. We're done blaming God. We're done blaming you. For we have spoken against the Lord, against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpent from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it up on a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it up on a pole. If you look at the medical science career, you see a pole with a snake wrapped around it. That's where it comes from, just so you know. It's right out of Numbers 21. Because they would look at that and they would be healed. And what happened was they literally could have avoided this if they would have monitored and maintenanced the suffering of the soul, the literal, the literal discouragement of their life. If they would have maintenanced that by having more drink of the living water than wor- worrying about their suffering in the wilderness, they would have never gone there and there would have been life spared. So we have to understand that God speaks to us very sincerely about what our heart is doing and what our mind is doing. Sometimes our heart wants to try again, but it won't work in our mind. Have you ever had a point where you hear a preacher preach and you want to believe it? You want to believe it. In your heart of heart, you're like, I know God can do. I know he's faithful. But in your mind, it just won't seem to work. That is a soul that is discouraged. And I pray for you right now in Jesus' name that you would be set free from that. In Jesus' name, 
name release us from any discouragement of the soul, I pray. In Jesus' name, remove disappointment. Remove the understanding that we all struggle. And no one's struggle, no matter how great it is, is ever going to last forever. It's going to come to an end. In Jesus' name. So in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, it tells us don't turn to something else. And so he's like, don't turn to evil. I don't know if I got to the points here. Let me see. Don't be discouraged because of the way. Do not murmur or complain. I think I got them all. And it says the big point here in my notes, my fancy notes, says when you drink of suffering, be sure you are drinking of living water or your heart will be discouraged in the way. Okay, I think we got that. Let me move on. You only have two cups to carry. I've asked people how they're doing, and they always show me this one. Oh, you wouldn't believe what I'm going through this week. Can't believe. Did you know that if you show the world, we're supposed to be witnesses, if you show the world this cup all the time, do you think they're going to want to buy into what you're doing? Oh, you should see all the problems I have right now. Yeah, join me up. I want to sign up for that club. (laughs) All of the hurt and the pain and the suffering. You know what? Everyone has suffering. But when you start making the focus in your life the second cup, you don't even show them the suffering anymore. I appreciate a friend of mine that's in this room that goes through a lot of things in their life. And um, and I don't even know it sometimes. They'll come in with a migraine or a headache. And they'll do things and work in the church and head up and head up things and set up and tear down and and I'll find out like two days later that that person had a migraine I won't even know because that person is focused on a different cup it's like I don't need to tell you my sufferings because everybody goes through sufferings but I do want you to know that I'm interested in doing whatever it takes to have a fresh drink of water in this house, to have an anointing fall in this place when we get together, to have somebody touched that says, I don't, I don't know why I'm going through all this, but this sure tastes good. There's something in this place that I haven't experienced before, and I've been through all of the struggles, and I've prayed over that cup, and I've asked God to let that cup pass from me, but I found out that it's his will for me to go through that because even though I went through it now I minister to people that have drank from the same kind of cup that I drank from people that have broken homes I minister to them from that I can help them people that had no father in their life I can put my arms around them and say he's your heavenly father and he will be good to you and not evil to you but you know what I don't give them just that I want them to experience the power of the Holy Ghost I want them to be changed by the drink of living water, that drink that changes them. It doesn't just change them. John 4 and 14, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, you know the story. I'm hurrying to a close. She was a Samaritan woman, a scarlet woman. She was, you know that a Samaritan is a is a half-breed between a Jew and a Gentile. They were cast out. They weren't Gentiles, and they weren't Jews, so they had Samaria. They had their own people, and she was a cast-out of the cast-outs. And so she literally left her water pot in verse 28 of John 4 and ran back to the ran back to the city and told them come and see a man who told me everything that I was but he didn't judge me he gave me living water amen we need to stop judging people and start giving them living water I wish it would be okay with you if I could tell you that I I don't judge anybody 
I don't judge anybody for where they come from, but if they get a cor- if they get living water coursing through their spirit, it will change their lifestyle. It will change what they do and who they are. But I know this that the living water makes you thirsty for more living water. Amen. It makes you unable to drink from the places that others drink from and are satisfied with. They go after things that are evil. They go after things that are not so evil. They go after things that are just distractions. But you're somehow that doesn't satisfy you. You literally, once you taste it, you have to have living water because the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse John 4 and 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. She left her water pot, which represented everything that she was, because she had to go to the well at noon, Mark, when she wasn't going to be met by any of the other women that gathered in the market's place in the morning and the evening, because she wasn't accepted with them. They didn't like her. They didn't want her around. She carried a water pot at the hottest part of the day so that she wouldn't be caught. And you know what? It was unsafe. There was wild animals. There were other things. There were bandits. When they traveled in a group, it was safer for them. She specifically went in the middle of the day, and Jesus said, I have need to go to Samaria, Reese, because he wanted to meet a little woman with a heavy water pot, with a heavy cup of suffering. And he met her, and he said, you can drink of that all you want to, but I have a drink that will make you never thirst again. And she said, I don't need that anymore. (laughs) She goes, give me of that drink. And he's like, go call your husband. (laughs) Because she was much married. (laughs) Much married. She said, I don't have a husband. (laughs) I perceive you to be a prophet. (laughs) She changed the subject. You must be a man of God. Starts working on trying to compliment him. And he's like, no, no. She goes, well, the ones I've been with, I've left and... The one I'm with now is not my husband. He, she, he said, yeah, you've spoken well. And he begins to talk to her about living water. And she says, well, my, my, you know, my family, they worship in this mountain because they're not welcome in Jerusalem because we're not Jews. And salvation is of the Jews. And he's like, yeah, that's true. But he said, and, and I, but I know when Jesus comes, that he'll, he'll share everything. He'll tell everything. He'll show us everything. And he's like, that, that resurrection and that life that you're talking about, hold hold on a second. Let me just, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See? Yeah, this right here, this is my credentials. That's me. No, this is a cafe cup. <laughs> a cafe, uh, no, this is a cafe corporate library for Brookfield, but he gets out his ID and he says, yeah, that's me. See right there, resurrection and life. I get I, I just want you to know that you're talking to the one that you think is coming still. And he's right in front of you. The well was sitting on the well, amen? I like that analogy. So in Isaiah 44 and 3, as we move on, it, we realize that Isaiah speaks this way. He says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Did you get it? Did you see that? The living water that you drink from doesn't just affect you. 
it affects your offspring. It affects the seed in your life, the ones that are coming behind you. That means that living water not only blesses your children, but it removes generational curses from your life. Hello, somebody. When the Old Testament said that he visited the sins upon generations to come, the Bible literally lets us know that living water through the power of the Holy Ghost removes those curses and blesses the next generation. The drink changes me, amen? And it changes my future, but it also has a promise from God. It will change things for my children and my children's children, and it'll put a blessing on my offspring. Is anybody happy about that? Your life spring is a blessing to your offspring. How's that for you? Tweet that out. That's got bars, right? Your life spring is a blessing to your offspring. Isaiah 49 and 10. They, and I'm rushing to a close. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the, the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. Wherever the water is, go to the water. Because wherever that is, God said he'll guide you if you seek my spirit. If you go after the Holy Ghost. If you drink living water, that will guide you. And that makes sense. I was talking to somebody yesterday about if you really want God, go after truth because the Spirit leads and guides into all truth. If you want God, lay down the cup of suffering and go after the Holy Ghost because that will be the drink that will guide you. Amen? Focus on the second cup. Stand with me, would you? I hope this was good for you. I, I really liked this sermon. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. It just It really spoke to my heart. Because it's more than just a drink. It's a river. It's a river. I've got John seven thirty seven In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, is there anyone thirsty here? Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture, look, they put in there. He that believeth on me, okay, hold up, comma, as the scripture hath said. You have to believe on me according to the way the scriptures say to believe on me. Comma, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. I invite you to refresh today. That's what I'm after, Roly. I'm after somebody laying down their cup of suffering. It's over here. And just saying, I don't, I don't want to focus on that anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want that to really dictate my life because Christians are radars, right? Whatever we focus on, everything else organizes around it. If we focus on our suffering, all we'll do is talk about our suffering and work on different things about our suffering and organize our life around our suffering. And I know sometimes people have to do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against anybody here, but I want life. I want peace. I want that which overflows. Amen? Oh, taste and see. It's joy unspeakable. That second cup, we are invited to in this scripture. And it becomes a living river of living water. Come carry it, that second cup. And I, I don't know, I don't know how it works out for you, but 
there are times when I get really dry. Um, because, you know, when you're ministering, you're pouring out to people. And I think that's why the Bible says, quench not the spirit, because that's the only thing that can quench the thirsty. But whenever my soul gets thirsty, oftentimes I find a place of prayer and something takes place if I will just stay there long enough. And if I will stop telling God all that's wrong, all that I'm dealing with and all the problems, and if I'll just lay it all down and just begin to say, God, not my will, but thine be done, Karen. You know, that all of a sudden the focus changes from what I was dealing with to what God wants to do in me. So I tell you this, I can't convince you that this tastes good. This is my favorite kind of water, Fiji water. They bottle it underneath the water. It never sees, until you crack open the lid, it never touches air because they pull it from the artesian in Fiji. While it's underneath, they literally suck it out from the artesian and they bottle it without it touching air. That's what it says on the back anyways. And it is my favorite water because it it says this. It says, it filters through volcanic rock into sustainable ancient artesian aquifers. Oh, that sounds important. Drop by drop, Fiji water acquires the natural minerals and electrolytes to give its signature soft and smooth taste. Perfect by nature. There's nothing on earth quite like it. It's literally, it literally gets its minerals from the water running down through volcanic rock and ending up in these aquifers. Then they source it and they send it over here to America so I can drink it in front of you while I'm preaching a sermon. But it's labeled as being nothing else like it on earth. I want you to know that everything that you've been through in life acts as that volcanic rock, that stuff that somehow filters living water through it to where it's sweet to you. And I want you to know that the worst times of my suffering, and I'm done, the worst times of my suffering, when I come and get a drink of water of the Spirit, it's so sweet. It's so fresh. And it is so good. Would you let me pray over you right now? Jesus, in your name, I ask you to touch us in a way that empowers us. Some of us had a lot of things that we've been through. And many of us have laid them down just like Jesus has said, not my will, but thine be done. But in this all, in, in everything that we accomplish in you, it is found that our suffering gave us compassion to give a drink of water to somebody else because we know possibly where they've been. We know what they're going through. Maybe you've been in the church all your life. I don't know. But if you've ever been away from God, you know how dry it can be in your soul and how much you long for that inside thing to be satisfied, that craving, that longing, that void that only God can fill to be filled. And you know... 
people right now, as I'm speaking right now, you can think of names of people who are confused and are needing and are desperate. But if you don't come and get overflowing, a f- overflowing cup, you can't spill over on them. And so if you right now are needing something from God, if you are in any way desirous of something from God, then I would ask you, whether you know it or not, you need a cup that's overflowing. Jesus, would you help everyone here to leave full of God's spirit today so that we can splash off onto somebody else. When we walk by somebody that's hurting, they would literally feel God on us and they would literally crave what we have and crave what we know and that they would be touched by the power of God. Lord Jesus, this is something that you do in us. It's a work that you do. Would you do this in each one of us so that we have greater anointing, greater success, In Jesus' precious name, I pray.